Talk Money to Me is a financial podcast produced by Transglobal. All opinions expressed by the hosts and guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Transglobal. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as basis for investment decisions. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talk Money to Me, where we talk about money and how it affects you. I'm your co-host, Jonathan, and I know a little bit about finance. And I'm your other co-host, Tracy, and I know almost nothing about finance. We have two wonderful guests with us today. I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Franklin. I'm a certified financial planner, and I am too honest for my own good. Hello, everybody. This is Richard Wang. I've been in the insurance and annuities industry for about 10 years now. Today, we're going to talk about net worth. We see this term thrown around a lot when we're looking at big name celebrities and very high profile public figures. But and also I, when we're looking at dating profiles. That too. So I was wondering, where did this idea of net worth first kind of start from? I think net worth started probably a long time ago, but back in the days, because money was physical, so it's a lot harder to keep track of the net worth. Um, but then later on, since the double booking accounting method was developed, it was a lot easier to track net worth. And then later on, of course, money went from uh, shells to solid gold to um, coins to paper, and now even digital. It makes it a lot easier for everyone to track their net worth. You know, in movies, heist movies, they always steal like golden bars. Growing up in the age where money is paper, like golden bars, I don't even know. They're useless to me. <laughs> I can't pay for my DoorDash order with a golden bar, right? So how does that even work? Like if you own gold? Well, I want to say it's going to be perceived value. Wait, so who determines how much a gold bar is worth? Like, I'm sure that that's going up and down too, right? Or does the gold bar always equate to something? This is the fun part about modern finance is that we realize a lot of our assets are really based on supply and demand, right? You're asking, how come gold is worth this much? Well, it's because when there's demand for gold as a safe haven, it go, then when people rush into buying gold, it pushes the gold price up. Then when they feel that, okay, the, the risk is gone and they want to move the assets or the, the money out of gold to invest in other things, they sell their gold and it pushes the gold price down. And the same logic can be applied to real estate, um, stocks, it could be applied to even cryptocurrencies. That does make sense because I have a basic knowledge of how currency exchange works. It sounds like it's kind of similar to that, but I just don't understand, like in terms of net worth, why do they think gold is the solution to that? That's a very long question, but I think it's a great question because it kind of clarifies um, how come certain assets move in different directions under certain kind of scenarios. So. Net worth really is as simple as assets minus liabilities. And now we're talking about assets, right? Gold as part of the assets. <clears throat> and when we talk about assets, we also have to think of assets in terms of storage of wealth, right? The purpose of everyone accumulating assets is hoping that it will be worth more. Nobody buys a house saying that, oh, I hope it drops 30%. The idea of um, having these assets, investing in these assets is to have it grow. But of course, when there are uncertainty in the world, people hesitant on buying more assets. They want to convert the assets into cash, something they can take with them and run away, escape with. So 
if someone were to say like food was the standard, that makes sense. Everyone needs food. But with gold, you don't need gold necessarily. So I'm so to me, it begs the question of why it became the standard of how to kind of price things. You can think of it like, well, how, how do we find gold, right? We have to blow up mountains. We have to dig for it. So the, the way of obtaining the gold takes a lot of time and effort to do so. So in that example, it kind of makes gold precious. And I also want to say it's probably the properties of gold. It's very malleable. You're able to forge it into jewelry, forge it into something that other people will find better better or greater value in. Right? There are instances where a gold chain is not going to be the cost of what the gold is. Right? It's going to be the time and effort that you put into it as well. Yeah, and Richard is totally right. The whole purpose of risk management when it comes to finance is really to maintain your buying power. As in, can you buy the same amount of goods or maintain your lifestyle 10, 20, 30, or even 50 years from now if you're young, or even 70 years, years from now if you're young with what you have now? If there's inflation, meaning cost of living, like buying milk, buying bread, if these costs go up 2% every year, your money, your cash has to also grow at least by 2% every year so you can buy the same amount of goods. So when you think about gold, because of uh, scarcity, there's not a whole lot of gold being produced. You can't print gold out of thin air. And plus gold has a five to six, even maybe longer uh, thousand years of history to serve as the uh, storage of wealth. That's why people go to it. And that's why there's another argument saying that, oh, because Bitcoin, there's only 21 million of them. So they also act like gold because there's the, the, the scarcity factor behind it. Um, and then it can't be forged. You can't print out of thin air. So when you see um, money flow into alternative assets like those, like gold, cryptocurrencies, for the, or specifically Bitcoin for the purpose of storage of wealth, you can, you can say that that's implying that on average people are losing faith in our government's monetary policy. I think that's so interesting because um, the value of gold is something that people find security in. So you're saying that the gold would crumble to pieces if we suddenly discovered that there was a way to manufacture gold. Now gold is no longer special. And the only reason it was special before is that it's scarce. And so and it's, it's like not even pretty. Like I don't even like gold jewelry, right? So if alchemy wins, then gold would cease to have value. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> In a way, yes. I mean, don't you think humans are funny? We we put a special value in San Francisco uh, Fifth Avenue, right? So the real estate on these avenues don't go down, right? We put an emphasis on certain products like name brands. That's why they hold their value. Or uh, I mean, I heard from a lot of females telling me that is Chanel purse is the best investments because it appreciates in value, right? Uh, and then someone say diamonds is a good investment, but uh, sorry to burst a lot of ladies' bubbles here. Diamond is actually, um, sorry, it's actually, abundant. there's a, yeah, abundant, there we go. Thank you, Richard. But the bear is uh, one of the biggest controller of the global diamond supply. So they're able to control the supply so to keep the price up, right? So again, Supply and demand is what drives the short-term price up and down in any assets that we come across. Assets minus liabilities, right, is what you said earlier. Um, 
So what are, I mean, it was very recent that I realized my assets are not just what's in my bank account. So can we maybe list out again, maybe as a review uh, for our listeners, um, what types of things would be considered assets that contribute to your net worth besides gold, which I don't have. <laughs> just simply it's just the stuff that you have and what kind of value is on the stuff that you have, right? So for example, if you have a bike, that's part of your quote unquote net worth, right? Because you are able to sell that for some kind of monetary return. Um, cash, property, a lot of, I think a lot of wealthier people now are moving their assets into art, like art paintings and stuff like that, right? Because those, they're able to increase the value as well. And if anything, it's just holding on to what their money is into, right? So as a hoarder, my net worth is super high. I'm just kidding. If you're hoarding the right <laughs> stuff, yes, <Well>. definitely. <laughs> what is net worth used for? I'm, I assume that I have to be able to say, like, this is my net worth to, I don't know, like, is it used in finance in any way? So for life insurance, at the very least, we use your net worth to calculate how much you would want to cover for yourself, right? So we don't want you to have $15 million in coverage if you don't actually need it. And most insurance carriers will deny you that coverage, right? Because, hey, you're not worth that much. You shouldn't need that much. The world we live in is not equal because uh, the higher net worth you have, you might gain access to certain investments that are not uh, available to the public. And also with a higher net worth, you might be able to get uh, loans with lower interest rates, which will help you gain more assets. So those are all the benefits of having a higher net worth. When people say this is how the rich get richer, this is what we mean, right? Because a lot of people say that and not understand why they're like, how does that happen? But exactly what Franklin said, it's just with more money, a lot more avenues for you open up. If I were able to go without eating for the rest of my life, boom, I just increased my net worth because I'm not spending anything on food. Is it is it as simple as just buy certain things and don't buy others? In my 15 years of, uh, in this business, I never seen anyone getting rich off budgeting alone. So you have to find a way to expand your earnings and then take the earnings make it into more savings to invest and make more money. Don't worry, even Warren Buffett uh, was just the middle class until he got to his 50s. So he really took the first half of his life just accumulating uh, wealth little by little. Yeah, so it's never too late. As a, and I'm just gonna say my age on this podcast, as a 33 year old, right? Like, am I, well, based on the couple podcast, I'm below average, but. Am I way below average? Can I, should I get caught up? What should I be going for in terms of net worth um, by the time I'm 40 or by the time I'm 50? Um, and then maybe set some goals from there. That's, uh, that's a great question. And I think that, in my opinion, a um, couple of things. Measuring yourself against other people, that, uh, that's usually not a good idea. I, I mean, it's, it's good to see it once in a while, but everyone has a different lifestyle, right? Uh, they spend differently. So I would say uh, the best way to go about this is to reverse engineer, see how much you spend, uh, and also see how much you would spend if you are living the life that you dream of. Take that amount, uh, multiply it yearly till, till the day you pass away. Like, let's say you assume you live till 90 from 33 to 90 X amount of years times how much you spend every 
year and then compound it with like um, 3% or 4%, whatever percent interest rate, then you get how much you need to save to support your lifestyle, right? And then you can add a little bit cushion. If there's any oopsies in the world, right? Uh, World War III, whatever, and you have, still have enough to get by. Okay, that sounds like a lot of math. Is there any app that does this <laughs> for you? <laughs> I'm sure there's an app for everything. Comparison is the thief of joy, right? Whatever is your financial goal and whatever makes you happy, just keep that in mind. Don't go I mean, and compare that's yourself. I was with other living people. my life until this podcast, and you guys are all like, "Oh no, <laughs> no you should continue doing it." This much, and then <laughs> you know, so this podcast is what stole my joy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think a shameless uh, plug right here. I think any qualified CFP can do that calculation for you easily within uh, less than ten minutes. And then also number two. Uh, I come across a lot of clients who decided to move to a third world country, uh, South America, Asia, because the living standard there is cheaper and their retirement dollar can go further. So it's not always so cut and dry. Does making more money automatically mean that you have a higher net worth? No, because net worth is asset minus, minus liability. Someone making a million dollars but spending two million dollars, they have negative net worth. Yeah, and, and listening to this yeah. podcast made me realize I lived with a negative net worth for a lot of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's okay to admit as well, right? This is something that we would want you to slowly get better at because this isn't knowledge that people get overnight. Yeah, and I really like what Franklin said earlier about buying power as being, because that mean to me, that means that there's no um, sort of like, you must have this net worth, right? It's pretty much arbitrary. It's a tool for you to then live the life that you want to live. And where I like we're talking about net worth, net worth. And for me, the word worth um, has a lot more meaning than just like financial worth. Right. Like, what do I value in life? You know, there's a really famous campaign with um, MasterCard or whatever that was like, these things are priceless. But for everything else is MasterCard. And I feel like that was a really effective campaign because it acknowledges that there are things that your credit card can't buy for you. And so. Um, coming back to like, how much network should I have? Well, are the priceless things in my life secure? Right. And, um, and how can my net worth become a tool that I build and use so that those things can stay secure? That seems like the best way to go about it and unique to every person. So I agree. Thank you for telling me that my, my poverty doesn't matter. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, for, for every priceless things you want to do in life, uh, there's a price to pay for you to be in that position. And I think being financially literate is the goal, right? So we can help everybody, including ourselves, be free and have the time to do the priceless stuff. And with that, we'll go ahead and draw this episode to a close. Thanks again to our guests for coming to speak with us. We'll catch you on the next one.